Hello and welcome, kicking and streaming listeners. We are so glad to have you. My name is Johnny Lake. I am one of your co-hosts. And sitting across from me, across from the coffee table that we dragged into my bedroom, is Kevin Charles John Hill. Hello, uh, Johnny. It's great to be back for 1-1, episode 1-1. I thought you were saying January 1st, and I was really confused. No. Isn't there a Star Wars character? We literally character? just talked about the fact that it's the, ep- the 11th episode. 1-1? Uh, yeah. Isn't that a Star Wars character? No, that's a, that's a game of... Well, it's a, a Song of Ice and Fire character. Oh. He's, a, he's a giant that uh, the last we hear from him, he's having a pretty significant confrontation up at the wall. Mm-hmm. With some of the members of the Night's Watch. We should do an episode where we talk about, uh, where's that Winds of Winter at? Where's that Winds of Winter? I don't even like talking about that anymore. Really? Yeah, it feels so played out. I I don't even totally have faith that he'll be able to finish the series within his lifetime. Uh, So uh, I'm I'm, I'm more into, I'm not more into the TV show, but I'm like, it has more of my interest at the moment. Because it's going to end? Because it's going to end in like, Probably another year from now or so. Yeah, it's been weird with television shows. They're I think it's like a, I think it's, it's gonna be twenty nineteen. Yeah, they're all wait until twenty nineteen to come back. Like Stranger Things, uh, yeah, Game of true. Thrones. Well, at least we have Westworld coming up though. Oh, I am so excited to talk about Westworld. Well, that's TV. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very excited for that, and we'll probably talk about some of those shows in the future on this podcast because yeah. Lord knows Kevin and I can gab. <laughs> but uh, but this past weekend on Sunday we had a little we had a little thing called the Oscars champion right here yeah you finally won your pool right I finally won my uh, Oscar party pool I've lost spectacularly the past two three years uh, and I beat the person Griffin who was there who I always lose to and I lost one time and uh, it was just. It, it felt great, and I have to say, a lot of my picks on the podcast turned out to be correct. I got really lucky with the random, you know, live-action shorts, yeah, live-animated. I just kind of... I got a couple of those right, too. Yeah, and just picked whatever and uh, got them correct. Dear Basketball for Kobe. Yep, I got Dear Basketball as well. Uh, se- I still haven't yeah. gotten my ba- my ballot back, the one you sent me to fill out online. The one oh, really? My email. I don't know. Maybe I got to sift through my email. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know for a fact I got a good few right. I imagine I'm probably at least in like the 75th percentile. Very nice. Yeah, Very nice. one standard deviation. Um, I it was, it was a pretty interesting night. Um, I thought it was a long ceremony, a little bit bland. It definitely was. That's a, a popular criticism of it that I've been hearing. I think – I don't want Jimmy Kimmel to host. I like Jimmy Kimmel, but it seemed like he was more rehashing – what he did last year, especially with the taking the people to see, you know, if yeah, you interrupt. Yeah, that felt not new and excessive to yeah. me. And I didn't understand with the ceremony how um, it, it, he came out and was like, all right, we're really rushed for time. We really got to work through this. And then they added so many montages. Yeah. And, you know, bits. And it just felt like, well, why? it seems like we're only taken away from the speeches. And this is the year when we want to hear people speak, especially definitely uh, the female winners and the um you know non-white male winners yeah true Mm -hmm. the people of the minorities yeah and uh so it was a weird ceremony but a lot of movies got rewarded for i think the right reasons yeah well actually speaking of the speeches the guy who got the 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 jet ski as Mm -hmm. promised by uh jimmy kimmel he was very efficient and the picture of him 
afterwards on the jet ski with Helen Mirren. That was a might highlight. be my might be my favorite moment. Because it's like a costume designer guy. Yeah. Who like doesn't have any moment he to shine in. He just looks like he life. could be your neighbor in like Rye, yeah. New York. And he probably is bringing back a jet ski to that, yeah, to that suburban four-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath house. Yeah, he'd be like, so. honey, I need you to bring the the GMC Acadia to the airport. we got to tow this thing back. All right, now, Johnny, you just won an Academy Award. Uh, do you go for the jet ski? Because I think, what was he, 36 seconds? Uh, I, I, yeah, high 30s, low 40s. Do you think you could nail an Oscar speech in under 30 seconds to win the jet ski and still thank the people who need to be thanked? No, I think I'll be, I would be so flustered. I mean, especially for considering it, that it's my, like my first Oscar. Mm-hmm. Then I would be so flustered up on stage, whether or not I could move, you know, whether I could speak quickly or just go slowly and kind of thank all the people I want to thank. So I think I would, I would take the time and, and bumble and, uh. <laughs> And just be excited and try to thank all the people in my life. Yeah, I don't think I would have gone for the jet ski either. I would have rather. I'm not had much of a jet moment. ski guy. I would rather. Uh-huh. Uh, I would rather water ski behind a boat. Yeah, and here's the thing, Jimmy Kimmel. You're not paying for where to dock that jet ski. Yeah. You're not paying for the tow to get that jet ski in the water. You're not paying for the jet ski maintenance, whatever the fee is to get the license to drive the jet ski. <laughs> it's really just giving someone eighteen grand that they can only sell for like six and a half grand, yeah. or have to maintain for yeah. like thirty grand. It was like a fifteen thousand dollar bit. Mm-hmm. That didn't really yeah. totally make sense if you dig into it like we are right now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, those that was those were the silly things. Uh, let's talk about some of the nominees or yeah. sorry, sorry, some of the results and uh, what yeah. you kind of took from the night. Any any surprises? Any exciting parts? Uh not really that interesting of a night of surprises. All four acting categories kind of went to who uh, you know the current trend was going with. Yeah, uh, I think. Jordan Peele still winning Get Out screenplay. Yeah, that um, makes me happy. I think that was kind of one of the, not necessarily a surprise, but like a, all right, great, I went to um, him. Because mm-hmm. that definitely was probably the most original idea uh, film-wise in 2017. Uh, and seeing the pictures afterwards of Keegan-Michael Key like celebrating. Oh, uh, yeah, that and broke at, the internet. Yeah, where, you know, in his own place or something. That was That was really great. Yeah, but I mean... Not really a lot of surprises, kind of what was expected. I mean, obviously, great to see Roger win. Great to see Roger win. I'm so glad we talked about it beforehand on the podcast, because now if anyone like goes through and listens to our episodes, they'll be like, fuck, man, those guys really knew they saw it coming. Like, they really knew. Mm-hmm. I think it, I, I did shots in honor of uh, Roger. I saw, that, uh, yeah. I saw that Snapchat. Or was it an Instagram? No, it was an Instagram video. We've been over this, Johnny. (laughs) I'm done with Snapchat. I'm done with it. Instagram only. Apologies, I'm sorry. But uh, that was a... And uh, Blade Runner winning uh, Best Visual Effects was a bit of a surprise, but I think Mm -hmm. well-deserved. I don't know why those apes on horseback shooting guns just never could get that visual effects win. Yeah, it's really too sad. I think they probably deserved it, but... uh, Good on Blade Runner. Yeah. I liked the performance of Remember Me with mm. Gael Garcia Bernal and... and uh, Miguel, right? Mi- well, I think Miguel came out afterwards, mm-hmm. um, but there was someone playing the guitar for uh, Gael Garcia Bernal doing vocals, and that was, you know, soft and thoughtful, and then came out and it was really, you know, exciting, and Miguel's pretty pretty much a great entertainer. Yeah. Um, but so that was kind of the fun part. The, the um, performance of Mystery of Love kind of... 
came and went pretty quickly. Yeah. It did um, say... They just kind of came up out of the floor and then went back into the floor. All the sea <laughs> above my head's coming up. Yeah, yeah. It's time that you saw me. Stage going down. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was too bad. But, um, yeah, I, I, had a, I didn't watch the entire ceremony. I saw mm-hmm. a couple of the... Uh, guesses that I got right on mm-hmm. some of the other categories, and and then I just checked in the morning after. Yeah. To see the the wins. Did you see the gif of uh, Guillermo del Toro double checking the ballot? And then, no, uh, I didn't. That's great so though. So they let Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway do it again, which no. I would not have done. They I let it, they let him announce it again. But you could wow. see on the envelopes, like they, <laughs> the envelopes before were always kind of like blank envelopes yeah they literally like said in giant gold letters like best picture best actor best actress yeah like they were on the envelope so it'd be pretty hard to screw them up this year and shout apparently out, shout out to price waterhouse coopers yeah and they made uh, all the employees of uh pwc get like background checks or something no uh have to have their phones turned off oh yeah so I mean, they wouldn't be distracted the employees apparently you see already take background checks but yeah but apparently that was like a big controversy. Is like the people who were in charge of envelopes just kept Snapchat, Instagramming famous people walking by them all night. And that makes sense. That is part of the reason they believe that. Uh, the envelope I love those forensic happen. files, video breakdowns of how it happened that you get from like Business Insider yeah. and like The Verge. And then close up on Warren Beatty's face. It's just pictures and texts mostly, and then like very, very slow. Like I don't know. I I hate when it's like now the on Facebook like the now this. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. Where they just take like seven photos and repeat them, and it's like this little boy loves Batman. New photo. How much does he love Batman? Photo of him in a Batman costume. He loves Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Like you know. This this woman uh, had 137 dogs follow her in Mykonos. How many dogs? 137. It's just How like many three did she bring home? Pictures yeah. of the dogs. Like, just cycling she adopted them. all 137. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm overall pretty bland ceremony, but a lot of awards distributed. Yeah, it was it was a a well distributed mm-hmm. award set. I thought maybe at the last second Get Out was going to win Best Picture. But I think one of the if things, only, man. yeah, one of the things that stayed is when you get nominated for a lot, that definitely should be a clear indicator. And uh, Shape of Water won, whether you liked it or not. That's true. Probably deserved it. Um, but yeah, no, that's nothing else to really say much about the Oscars. Cool. Just excited for next year. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we're already getting Oscar buzz for Black Panther, so. Yeah, get like your, get like your, get, get out. Yourselves ready, people, for the spring season and then the following blockbuster season. Yeah, like get out. Let's see if a February release can kind of stay until next February. And uh, yeah, but I think that's going to be hard. I mean, I hate to criticize Black Panther, but the VFX weren't incredible. Incredible. I see. Uh, and I think that would be a category it should be you know nominated for. Yeah. Uh, potentially like cinematography production design i think that's cool uh because uh cinematographer is rachel morrison who was nominated this year first female cinematographer for mudbound oh right cinematographer on uh or the dp yeah on uh black panther so maybe there is a shot and i'd like to see it yeah Mm -hmm. uh so enough about the oscars uh we watched a movie last time on our last episode episode 10 called the lovers yes which was a lovely little ditty about Josh Hartnett <sighs> straddling the worlds of colonial India and and 
neo-modern, uh, like, America ocean place? Uh, who knows? Yeah, just you just got those, Unspecified like, future. <laughs> yeah, you get those, like, deadliest catch scenes where, like, he's drowning or his fiance is drowning and people are just running around and it's so obviously an awful set and they're mm-hmm. just tossing buckets of water on these poor, helpless extras. There Sorry, were a that lot was of, my little rant. No, right no, we <laughs> talked about how there were tons of little extras running around that boat, like yeah. in Star Wars, how yeah. they were like getting ready to ship off like, or okay, something. Okay, all right, now three of you, go, go, go. Now just run across. Run, run, yeah. run to your mark. Just run none, to your mark. None of them were seemingly doing anything to help Josh Hartnett get out of the water. No, he was the one person <laughs> he was like, trying to do anything on that boat. Yeah, some assistant director was just like, you run to that side of the boat, you three run to that side of the boat. <laughs> all right, and now bump into each other and drop yeah. a bunch of rope. Yeah. And then everyone look distressed. Yeah. <laughs> I like too in the scene that uh, Josh Hartnett's girlfriend, not Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie, <laughs> she's the reason he drowns basically. Right, because and then she's she... really trying to get him that dope anniversary gift, yeah. right, or engagement present. I and, forget. And then when they're getting him out of the water, like they get her out first, and then when they like are trying to save him, she's just yelling at everybody like it's their fault. Yeah. She was like, "Why did she's you call the Coast Guard earlier?" She's doing you know, a lot of talking. Resuscitate him. What are you doing? Like partner yeah. is is choking on the ground. Yeah, she's trying to throw that blame on. She other was people really trying to cast her blame fault. quickly. But Johnny, I think I wonder if you agree with me on this. First act of the movie. All right. Second act of the movie. All right. Yeah. And then third act of the movie. Just, what? (laughs) Yeah. I feel the same way, man. I do not know what happened in the the 1800s, 1700s India time period. Yeah. Like the... When they and that's that's to a degree that's that's a and a a repercussion of us wearing these headphones and and making jokes and and yeah. making fun of the film the whole time is that we're gonna miss movie. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I said the f word. Yeah, <laughs> I meant movie. Don't curse. <laughs> um, it, you know we're gonna end up missing stuff, but I think we missed enough with this one, and it was poorly enough written and constructed that it. It was just a lost cause with, like, 30 minutes left. Well, I read that in the production uh, history that there were reshoots done uh, two years later. That's bad. Yeah. Do you, All right, who do you think had to come back and do... Oh, the, Josh the did. Yeah, I mean, well, Josh probably did, yeah. Do you think, do you think his fiancée in the present day had to or not? Well, guess what? His fiancée in the movie is his fiancée in real life. Are they still fiancéed? I think they're at least partners. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I looked up the Wikipedia, like, afterwards, had a good laugh, and then, like, never checked it again. <laughs> so don't... We're not yeah. as interested in the production history of the lovers as we were no, in Next. because you could just tell it was a mess. Yeah, it was just bad. Like, to a degree, it kind of tried to do, like, the somewhat fantastical, like, Bollywood spectacle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was that was present enough that it was trending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost I almost liked parts of it, but it also felt like they maybe weren't doing it justice to uh, the actual realities of British colonial rule in India, as well as I don't know social customs and maybe just the language that people speak in. Yeah, I felt like it was trying to do Bollywood meets Last of the Mohicans meets <laughs> Outlander. Oh man! Like yeah. having all these d- 
different sides and different perspectives, but it just and then also different time periods and different lovers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think there's a lot better movie if uh, you get rid of the future part. So, do you have any like any any final thoughts, any takeaways, and uh, where do you rank it among movies we've watched? I think. Uh, I would honestly. I maybe would want to read the script just to see what they were trying to do there, but then I also know that's going to be like a headache. I read the script. I read the script. I've read ahead. It makes no sense. (laughs) But (laughs) uh, my favorite thing about it that stuck with me has been uh, how the camera was not afraid to uh, stay on Josh Hartnett's face for some scenes. Yeah, they did linger. They did linger. You like to let it linger. And like little changed on Josh Hartnett's face. It was uh, either yeah. his face was like confident and cool or like somewhat worried. Josh Hartnett is no Timothy Chalamet. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. It would like zoom in on his face and it would just be like Josh Hartnett just slowly moving the same facial expression yeah, no, left and just, right. He's just physically moving his head. He's not yeah. changing his facial expression at all. I think I don't want to bash uh, JH too much, but I think it. I honestly think it might be the worst one we've watched yet. Mm, I think biggest disaster because I think most of our other movies were decently coherent and smaller yeah, in scale, and this one was just. <sighs> it, it was. It was never good. It, I wouldn't say never good. It had it had flashes of it had like little mo- moments that flashes of trying. Away. Yeah, flashes of really really giving it an old college try. Yeah, flashes of let's try to make this shot nice, <laughs> and then it, other shots of let's try to get out here by six. Yeah, and and <laughs> when you said that, when we saw the one wig where you could literally see the actor's hair underneath, <laughs> and, and you were just like, it sounds like some. You know, hair and makeup designer was just like, go, go, just go, just, just, just go, go, just go, just go. I want to get out of here. I don't care. <laughs> you know, you did it. You know, you know, you saw the invite, right? There's, there's a, there's a happy hour after this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, every scene where it's just ten British men around a room. Sometimes you can do we those. We British yeah. believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know how British people talked in the 1700s and reminded themselves that they were British. Yeah, yeah, because their appearance didn't signal that enough to us. That's a that was a huge problem I had with Darkest Hour. It was like Darkest Hour was like I'm Winston Churchill of the Conservative Party, and I was against Hitler and against the or for the marriage of. And it's just like, why are you telling us this? You don't need to. You wouldn't tell us this in real life. Yeah. <laughs> You know how when I come home at night and you're like, hey, Kev, how was your day? And it's like, you know me, Kevin Hill, born March 20th, you know, <laughs> John and Kathy, you know, you know, working my job, as it were. Yeah. But, yeah. I say good riddance. Uh, yeah, for sure. But it, I think it, it has a weird part in my heart for just kind of like giving it, like you said, the old college try and just failing spectacularly. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. fair enough. I, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. But I doubt it will stay in our hearts and minds. No, it mm-hmm. won't. There, we've watched more memorable movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to talk about what you've brought to show and tell today, Kevin? Well, I won my Oscar pool, which means I get a, a free dinner uh, from the person who did the worst, Penny. Um, but I also <laughs> won... Penny. Where, are you, where are you planning on going? Uh, I don't know. 
know. She kind of uh, left before we could talk about it. But, yeah, uh, she's probably trying to get out of it. Nah, I will. I will hold her to it the next time I see her. And she's uh, she's she's cool. So she'll pay up. <laughs> I told her she could give me three beer and shot combos instead of a dinner one time. So. Jesus. Yeah. What you trying to do? Oh, get drunk off the that Oscar glory, <laughs> I guess. But I also won as a concession prize, a bonus prize. I won a movie called Absolute Beginners, which came out in 1986. We have a DVD of it. Uh, Apparently, Ryan Connors, who hosted the Oscars party, film student at NYU, go Violets. Dear, dear friend of ours. Dear, dear friend of ours. Former roommate. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Mm -hmm. Once it was on Overcast. Uh, uh, He says it's one of the worst movies he's ever seen of all time. And even though David Bowie is on the cover, he is in the movie for approximately six minutes. And so we're going to try to find a stream of this. Let us let us yeah. uh, try to make. Well, we, couldn't we just put that in the? We can just put that in the Xbox. Well, we could, but we want to try to find a way uh, for uh, viewers uh, we to uh, have the Netflix experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want our see. yeah viewers. But uh, we'll try to find a stream of this somewhere. Maybe we can watch DVD and you can watch the stream. Well, should we should we make a rule that like right now we'll choose three names like we've been doing for the past couple mm-hmm. episodes, and then if we don't if we don't think any of them sound that good, we can go with Absolute Beginners. Yeah, this can be a backup. Yeah, that'll be our backup for this week. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so Absolute Beginners will be on a future episode someday, but not this week. No, unless probably not. Movies really look like stinkers yeah i don't know i guess we'll see knock on wood so johnny it's that time of the podcast where we argue whose turn it is to pick a movie out of the bowl and i totally forget who picked last time uh you picked last time all right so grab that bowl because oh i just saw i just saw safe house um i know you picked last time because i just know you have a better memory than i all right I can't look because I saw Safe House again. But something makes me want to pick that. I don't think it's uh, a good Safe House. I'm sure. I, there's I think been... it's probably a bad one, but I th- I think the premise already sounds great. Uh, right. There's alliteration in this title, Kevin. Uh huh. The Princess Protection Program. Google it. Let's see. Princess Protection Program. PPP. Yeah, the triple P. Mm hmm. What we got? Princess Protection Program is a 2009 Disney Channel original movie. Yeah. Movie, sorry, directed by Allison Liddy Brown and starring Demi Lovato and Selena Gomez. Wow. The script was written by Annie DeYoung from a story by Annie DeYoung and David <laughs> Morgison. So Annie DeYoung worked on it. Yeah, so Annie DeYoung did uh, all the work. Yeah. I like it so far. What's it? Do or should I read like the first two sentences of the plot on Wikipedia? Sure. Princess Rosalinda Maria Montoya Fiore okay. is about to be crowned queen of the small nation of Costa Luna. I love when Disney Channel makes just up countries. makes up worlds. That's so yeah. great. They just make up nations. General Kane, played by Johnny Ray Rodriguez, the dictator of neighboring country Costa Estrella, invades her palace with his agents during uh, her coronation rehearsal. I'm sure that's a very bloody and brutal yeah. coup scene. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining there's a lot of gore. It, it's mm-hmm. very, like, you know, yeah. uh, kind of like like the beach scene from Saving Private Ryan. Sort yes. of like that. Yes. But with Disney Channel swords version. and sabers and... Uh, no, probably some MP40s. Well, uh, it, well I this, don't know. All right. Johnny, 
What's the ratings on this? On uh, IMDb? Yeah. What's it got on IMDb? IMDb gives it three stars. <laughs> 5.7 out of 10. Ooh, that man. sounds... Is that is that not good? That's pretty bad. Three stars on... No, a three out of five. Oh, three out of five. Yeah, 5.7 out, out of 10. Well, 5.7 out of 10. All right, I've picked good. another one. Let's, yes. Let's... Oh, oh yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got... It's actually another triple alliteration with the same letter. Oh, theme this week. It's it's W. Do you want to guess what it is? Uh, no, I have no. You idea. don't know? Worldwide, uh, web. Wild Wild West. Oh. It's the Wild Wild West. Oh yes. It's uh, the, the Wiki Wild Wild West. The Will Smith, yep. Kevin Klein movie. Yep. We all know it. It's infamously bad. I've seen it once. I think I saw it when I was a kid on like TNT partially tell you what um that seems like a pretty good movie to make fun of more so than a selena gomez and demi lovato movie mm. no offense i want to do a disney channel though at some point i really want to do a disney, disney channel. channel even deserves our ire mm-hmm. all right last one it's called must love dogs uh-oh i, th- I think i've heard of this uh-oh uh-oh comedy a 40-something preschool teacher looks to the personals for a change of pace and a relationship with hilarious results. Rating, 3 out of 5, 5.9 out of 10. Okay, who's in Diane it? Diane Lane, <laughs> Elizabeth Perkins, and John Cusack. Oh, John wow. Cusack! Elizabeth Perkins, you mean. God, I love her for her role in Weeds. Mm-hmm. She's an awful lady, and she does it so well. Mm. Um, this is actually kind of a tough one. No. Must love dogs. Um, let me see. I'm gonna I'm gonna not vote Wild Wild West because we just did an action movie. Okay. I I'll tell you what though I'm I'm gonna vote for Must Love Dogs over the name of Princess Protection Program. I'm down for Must Love Dogs. Sounds good. All right. So there you have it, folks. Uh, tune it. Do we do we throw the uh, the old ones back in the thing? Uh, you, no, we don't. Them out? Oh, well, you've been leaving them around my bedroom. Is what's been happening. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yeah. 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 You got a problem Are with we that? We're gonna mix it up right now. Yeah, we about to go. Later. All right. Um, good. Let's so you you heard it, folks. Um, must love dogs. Next week, must love dogs. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's gonna be a pretty bad one. As always, I'm it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. <laughs> It's going to be long, it's going to be bad, and we're going to be checking the clock every two minutes when there's about 45 minutes left in the movie. Yeah, i gotta, I got to get better about not doing that. Yeah, that it's like... It's it's not a good habit. It's like taking a test in high school all over again. All right, um, there were two more things we wanted to briefly talk about today because <laughs> we've just been hearing them. Well, one of them we haven't been able to avoid in the news. Yeah. It's crazy Monday. So, which... Why don't you choose which we start with? I want to start with Crazy Sam Nunberg. Oh. I mean, let's not say let's not use crazy because he might be suffering a little bit of a mental. All right, H- having he, a really bad day. He was not having a good day yesterday. Yeah. Um, I I don't I don't think I'm as up on the news of it as you are. So mm-hmm. why don't you give us a little primer, Kevin? So Sam Nunberg worked for Donald Trump, and he worked along with Roger Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh. Very, very. Key, they were just a campaign aide, right? 
well, they just, they worked part, you know how, like, those big, you know, do some political research, you know. Okay. You know, work on this. Because they were only technically on Trump's official campaign for two months. Um, but they were two guys, and then when Trump hired Corey Lewandowski, uh, him and Roger Stone, Sam Nunberg and Roger Stone, kind of got pushed out of Trump's campaign. Okay. Uh, but he's one of these people that is in the periphery of the Mueller probe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, interesting enough, he's probably one of the lesser-known guys. Uh, yeah, definitely. N- and less, like, important to the whole thing. Because he was only working on the Trump campaign for about two months. Right. He probably knows less incriminating shit than most of the other people that we see in the news. And that he, doesn't mean yeah. to say that he doesn't probably provide a good angle for Mueller or, or probably have some kind of you know, stuff that he can work mm-hmm. with in terms of SP, you know, the investigation. I'm no, I, I haven't studied law, and I, I, I'm not super well-versed in policy, um, but I can say that Mueller is uh, he's a very methodical man from all that I've heard, and he's uh, he knows how to flip people. I mean, just the look of Mueller, or Mueller, sorry, um, he looks like a 1600s, like, colonial America judge. He, do, well, he, he looks, looks like a town, yeah. uh, like a town councilman. Mm-hmm. Like a, the, the, the sternest town, Puritan town councilman. Oh, my God, yeah. He looks super serious and like a old... Like a scary old fifties FBI man too. Yeah, he look. Well, he'd probably be played by um, Josh Brolin in the remake of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think that could work. Yeah, very very tough, intimidating looking guy. Yeah, kind of a big, you yeah. know, jowly sort of face. And a little bit. every legal expert is like, I I've known Bob Mueller for years, and he's a very serious man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a very tough man. Yeah. And so that's kind of. And when a lot yeah. of lawyers say that, yeah. you should know something about somebody. But that's been what's funny is I think Sam Numberg got a request, a subpoena, federal subpoena, mm-hmm. to uh, come in again, testify in front of a grand jury, uh, and provide all the emails from November 1st, 2015, to present that he had with people like Carter Page, Hope Hicks, Roger Stone, Corey Lewandowski, uh, everyone that uh, Mueller's been investigating. Mm-hmm. Uh I think the fact that he had to go through all the legal fees and his lawyers and have to, like, literally the act of going through his Gmail or whatever he used and, yeah. like, collecting all the emails, the fact that that would probably take him, like, a few days uh-huh. and freaked him out <laughs> almost to the point of, like, a procrastinating college student who's like, I got to do this paper now in three days. <laughs> he just had a little bit of a temper tantrum yeah he went on a lot of shows yesterday did you watch him on the beat with ari melber no dude it is hilarious former trump campaign aide sam nunberg is here with me live right now this is his first on-camera interview since nunberg made some news late today saying he received a new grand jury subpoena from bob Mueller. And he plans to defy it. I'm going to interview Sam about that right now. Here's the context. Nunberg is the first wit counsel wants more information on. Sam Nunberg, thank you for coming on The Beat for your Ari, first time. Thank you for having interview. me on. When we last spoke, when you were at this table, yes, sir. you were cooperating with this probe. Why now, tonight, do you say you won't? Well, 
when I look at this, for the period of November 1, 2015 to the present, please provide all documents related to the following individuals. Carter Page, never spoke to him, okay? Never spoke to him. Corey Lewandowski, Hope Hicks. I didn't speak to them. They forced me out of the campaign. They pushed, Ro they pushed Roger out of the campaign. Keith Schiller, Keith is a friend of mine. Why do I have to give them my personal communications? Steve Bannon, Roger so Sam number goes on uh, Ari Melber, and he just, at first I thought Ari was just going to have him on for like 10 minutes, mm -hmm. and then he was like, well, you can stay if you want, Sam, and Sam's like, I'll stay. <laughs> <laughs> do you think Mueller has that from multiple witnesses? I have no idea. I have no does idea, have and I wouldn't from, be good does to does he, that, does he have that from you? No. No, I never spoke to him. Sam Nunberg, thank you for being here. I have another update. You're welcome to stay at the table, and you're okay. welcome to continue to participate. It's, I want to give viewers a little It turns into the whole show, basically. Content. It's 35 minutes of Sam Nunberg there, and they bring in... They brought in this uh, older woman who used to be former counselor to, uh, I think, Mayor Bloomberg. Okay. And she had the tone of just a tired mom the entire <laughs> time. She was just like, Sam... It's not that hard of a request. You need to do this to help the special counsel and uh, valid, you know, show that there's nothing wrong with Roger. And he's like, I'm not doing this. Arrest me. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I think, actually, I, did, I do think I saw a clip of that interview, and it was hilarious yeah. because Sam Nunberg goes some, 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 says something like I'm not going to the grand jury I'm not I'm not gonna testify yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna cooperate and then and then the woman chimes I, what was her name uh, I I forget and I I'll feel bad but she was the former counsel to um, NYC mayor she goes well then you'll be arrested and as if it's a moment of like realization Sam number goes you think I'm gonna be arrested <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah dude <laughs> that's what happens it's not uh, like a facebook friend request he just denied it's a federal subpoena <laughs> by a very serious man doing a very a serious very serious investigation. investigation you'd rather spend possibly a year in jail than you know, any I'm hours going to, i'm not going to jail you think I'm going to jail? Sam Nunberg, uh, Maya Wiley, Barbara McQuaid, thank you. I'm sorry, it's it's because it's, he, I don't know if he's having a, he, he's definitely having a rough time, but yeah. I don't know if he's dealing with anything else. Um, it, it's a sign of our times that I, I look at this and I think, wow, shit's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel mm -hmm. kind of fucked up for that. Well, it, 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 we're so fascinated by this investigation, and it's going to take a while. Yeah. We probably still have a year or so to go with it. Mm -hmm. And the news obviously wants any update they can have on this investigation. Right. Because it's something that the public is waiting for, and it's kind of one of the last true news segments. In this I wonder, like, how fake much news money... BS administration. I, I yeah. want to know how much money, like, the big news outlets are are spending on on having people solely concerned with getting you know uh statements from people that are working with Mueller or getting information on on the investigation well i'm sure a lot of dc reporters are working very hard like literally that's their only assignment like yeah. i wonder how many people are, are just assigned mm -hmm. for that just yeah. you know following the proceedings and trying to figure out who had to come in and testify mm -hmm. and and how, what they said and interviewing them 
That's just got to be a crazy job right now. Absolutely. I mean, I'd never wanted to be a journalist, really, because that's what it is. That's like their grind. Yeah. It's a very, very, very tough industry at a very tough time where I feel like a lot of people don't want to talk but also want to talk but only want to talk under certain circumstances. Or Yeah, or some people just want to read about it and don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I feel that way sometimes. Mm -hmm. But this – so this is something that wouldn't normally be news, but because of how we are in the news cycle is now, it is news to have Sam Numberg on. But it's just – it was just literally a grown man – having a bad day on freaking live TV out, freaking out about it about every hour in front of the entire yeah. world and ironically the next morning he just cooled down and was like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna comply yeah, yeah. this morning he came out and said, I, I, i'm I'm, yeah. I'm 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 deciding to comply yeah. with Mueller's investigation so do you think maybe it was something like he was too stressed out was just having a nervous breakdown and went on these shows to kind of see if people would be like, you're right, Sam, you're right. That's an interesting theory. I like that theory. Mm -hmm. If he had gotten, you know, confirmation and, and more validation from these outlets for what he was doing instead of just, like, horror and, like, shock and people being like, oh, really? Well, I will say, here's a little insider baseball, that Sam Numberg uh, has gone on a lot of MSNBC TV shows in the past as giving his point of view and giving... Uh, his thoughts on the Mueller investigation on the Trump White House. He's been on Meet the Press Daily a lot. Um, and he's been on, you know, the MSNBC shows. They film at 30 Rock. You uh, you see him just getting some coffee down in the uh, I haven't seen him get, the mess getting hall. coffee, but I've been at... Uh, I, I don't know if I've, I say I should work there, but if I do work there, I've seen him on the monitors getting ready. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, for me, not him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think kind of... What came out of this was him being like, I got to talk to somebody about this. I got to get my point of view out there. You know what? Sometimes you just need somebody to talk to. And it's at his, you know, um, you just at his expense that it ended up being the entire world just got to hear yeah. what he needed to spout about. Um, and some of what he was saying was, I, I, I felt bad for him, but also laughed out loud about his evolution of when he talked about the relationship with Roger Stone. Because it started off, he's like, Roger Stone is a good friend of mine. He did nothing wrong. And he's like, Roger Stone is my mentor. He's a good man who did nothing wrong. He's like, Roger Stone is like a surrogate father to me. He did nothing wrong. And he's like, Roger Stone is my dad, and I love him very much. <laughs> like, I get why he didn't want to testify he's like they want me for roger stone roger stone did nothing wrong right but then you turn also, sam nunberg you, you turn roger stone you then go it. to the grand jury and say roger stone did nothing wrong i never saw roger stone do anything wrong or illegal or any collusion with russia that's how you defend your friend not being like he did nothing i ain't going there yeah yeah, yeah that's not that's not a valid way by yeah. the law of the united states to say that oh no no yeah. we didn't do anything yeah. like you can't you, just yeah. you can't we're not just going to take it on blind faith I want you to come and spend, put your hand on a book and then say what you think you are going to say. Yeah, like if uh, you got accused of murder and they called me as a witness because I was with you the night of the murder, I don't go like, I was with Giant that night. He didn't murder anybody. I'm not going to that courtroom. To Plead the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to that courtroom to say he didn't murder anybody because I know he didn't murder anybody. <laughs> that's extremely suspicious. Yeah. And that's also bad writing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's very bad, right? 
but I, we wish him the best personally. Well, yeah. Personal health wise and legal fees wise. Personal health and mental wise. Uh, ideology wise, you know, he's a scum. He's a scumbag. So screw him. Well, he did say that uh, nobody hates Donald Trump as much as I do. Which, he said that? Yeah. You know what? Well, then we have some aligned there, viewpoints. He can still be a dickhead and say I that, But I think there's some people who hate Donald Trump more than he does. Probably. I think, I think her name begins with Hillary and ends with Clinton. Yeah, and another her whose and, name uh, begins with uh, uh, Rosie and, and whose last name is O'Donnell. And another one that is um, – oh, what's her name? What's her name? Melania and ends with Trump. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Guess we'll never know. Could be. Not unless she writes a book. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's move on. Let's end this with uh, NBA talk. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad you selected politics to talk about first because while it was slightly humorous, it's still a little bit sad that all this ridiculous shit is happening in mm-hmm. our present-day America. But what, another thing that's also happening in our present-day America is probably, like, the peak of, like, basketball playing and, like, basketball culture and and viewership and and kind of just general influence of basketball on on america and the world more at large mm-hmm. um so let's there's talk some about, some funny stuff yeah. that happened recently we had the all-star game a while ago teams are kind of in the final stretch um but one little funny tidbit one of those not gameplay headlines that you see more more human interest or gossipy headlines allegedly the Cavs forward J.R. Smith threw a soup. Mm-hmm. Um, Do we know what soup? What type of soup? No, and but I I have heard speculation, mm-hmm. so I will get to that. It was at an assistant coach for the Cavs. It apparently, was in frustration. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, it was in frustration. Um, but I've heard reports that it was a broccoli cheddar soup. Interesting. It's a right. very hot soup. That's, well, it's a hot soup, and it's also the consistency. It can just it feel like it can, can just get all over mm. you. You get little bits of broccoli in your collar yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it's not you very brothy. It's, uh, no, it's, 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 it's quite thick. thick. It's, it's pretty thick. thick. It's cheddar and broccoli <laughs> thick. Oh, she's thick. Yeah. Um, but uh, so th- everyone just really memed hard on the whole soup thing. Mm-hmm. People were saying oh uh split pea soup you know what what else was it like and then started like naming nba players uh that sounded like soup names so somebody mm-hmm. came up with uh dikembe magumbo <laughs> 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 excuse me um i don't know cur- curry stew something like that mm-hmm. that's a little easy i don't know if you can come up with any kevin yeah. um on on the spot n- you don't have to the minestrone timberwolves <laughs> that's actually pretty good man <laughs> That's actually really good. I like that. I hadn't heard that one. Uh, wow. Crap. I'm really impressed. No, no, stop there. Stop there. Oh, okay. No, go no further. Okay. You won't top that. I really liked it. I give you a, definitely a cup, 7 yeah. out of 10. That was really good. I'll take it. Um, so that was kind of the the, mo- the most recent silly bit of NBA news, some, the non-gameplay or standings uh, portion. But we're really like coming down to the end of the season now. Pretty much every team has about like – 17 to 20 games left mm-hmm. um and on both sides of uh of the league in the east and the west there's two teams at the top of uh of their division or their conference and then the rest is like just a crapshoot and it's really exciting because for instance the portland trailblazers are in third place in the west right now that's wild and um they got the eight seed last year right I believe they were the eighth seed last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they got they got killed by the Warriors in the first round, 
and the 10th seed in the West is only four games behind the Trailblazers right now. Mm. There are eight teams within four games. These standings get shuffled up every night. There, a lot of the teams have a lot of matchups with those competing teams. I read a really good piece by um, Tim Bontemps on the Washington Post the other day, breaking down, especially in the Western Conference, what the outlook is for the rest of the season for all those teams. Basically, the Trailblazers in third, Pelicans in fourth, Spurs in fifth, Timberwolves in sixth, Thunder in seventh, Nuggets in eighth, Clippers in ninth, and the Jazz in tenth. They mm. all have a shot, pretty much, at um, at you know those those three through eight spots. Only six of those teams, six of those eight, are going to go to the playoffs, and it's going to be a mad scramble. For so, the who do you think it. are the two that won't make it in there? Um, I don't think the Clippers have like a guy to go to down the stretch to finish out like tough games, like clutch close tough games they don't have like an alpha so it might be difficult for them to get wins if if things really start slowing down um you know there's a great chance i mean the spurs are they won last night but they're on a little bit of a skid lately they're in fifth right now but only you know two, two and a half games out of missing the playoffs um the timberwolves don't have jimmy butler back for another two weeks at least mm. um but honestly, it's a shock to see the Trailblazers in third and the Pelicans in fourth because those are two teams that you wouldn't have expected to see in the top half of the playoffs in the West. Yeah, you'd think they'd be seventh or eighth. Yeah, I mean, that's what – I mean, they were both – they were eight seeds, both those teams, the past two years. Uh, or maybe the Pelicans were – But the Pelicans just lost their star player. Well, the Pelicans lost um, – no, they, they, they lost Boogie Cousins. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm totally blanking on his first name right now. Um, Anthony? DeMarcus. Yeah. DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. He um, ruptured, I, I believe he actually tore his um, his Achilles. And ever yeah. since then, their, big, their other big man, Anthony Davis, has been going on like an MVP level tear, scoring something like 35 points a night. Wow. Know, like 15 rebounds. Well, maybe they'll stay in that Six assists. Yeah, I'd, li I'd like to see them do so uh, and get a favorable matchup. Hell, even get like, you know, a a home series in the first round of the playoffs. That'd be great. And Johnny, anything else about the West? Because I want to talk about the East. I'm so glad you're excited to talk about the East, Kevin, because I thought we were about to just like sort of let it slip off and end talking about the NBA. Give but no, I'm done. Those standings in the East, please. Do you want me to give you I'll give you games back. Okay. From from first place. So the Raptors are in first. Uh, with 45 wins Which and 17 bonkers. losses, yeah, it's crazy. They're playing a whole new brand of basketball. You got they got super. Oh, they reinvented basketball. They did a brand new basketball. Yeah, they actually they 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 made their own copyright, mm -hmm. and they're actually printing their own mm -hmm. basketball currency. It's cool. a it's a revolution. Wow. Anyway, the Celtics are a game and a half back. Um, the Cavaliers are eight and a half back. So pretty much we're looking at Raptors Celtics. Uh, one, one of those two teams. Yeah, those guys are gonna go one two. And then we've got a kind of second group um, of the Cavaliers, Pacers, and Wizards, which are all um, separate each other, separated from each other by a game and a half. Mm -hmm. um, they're all eight and a half back from the front two seeds. Yep. And then in sixth, right now, Ten, today, nine, nine eight, eight, seven, six plays. That's actually pretty good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So the sixth place Sixers, mm -hmm. thirty-eight and twenty-eight. Sorry, thirty-four and twenty-eight. 
Um, and that's where I think my – I don't know if anybody knows, but I'm a big fan of the Sixers. Big Philly guy. That's Philly where they need to be, at least. They got to – yeah, they can't slip back. They um, can't They can't versus Toronto or Celtics because that's a blowout. But they'd have a chance against, like, the Cavs. Crazy if they played against the Cavs. Or the Pacers. I mean, if things stay if, – if the playoffs started tomorrow, they would be playing the Cavs. For, it would be going I'm to hoping the Pacers pull ahead, though, and they play the Pacers because I think they can beat the Pacers. Well – I mean, if if you put like these matchups just in terms of like the best five man lineups you can put out on the floor, which is yeah. a way a lot of a lot of people look at them. Shout out to Bill Simmons, kind of looking at it from a fan's perspective and less from the analytics and numbers. But just what guys can you put on the floor? Five minutes left in the fourth quarter, game seven. The Sixers have a good five. Man. They do. They got JJ Redick. Um, ben Simmons running point forward, mm-hmm. uh, Dario Saric, Joel Embiid, and either Robert Covington or Timothy Luau. Uh I think it's Covington. It's usually it's Covington. It's definitely Covington. He, he plays Luau, really good D. Luau's not that good. <laughs> no, and Luau is a center, I think, anyway. Yeah. Sorry, that was, a, that was a misspeak. But yeah. uh, Covington played some really good D on LeBron the other day. The Sixers are fun as hell because yeah. they, they uh, play a weird brand of basketball. Their point guard basically doesn't shoot jump shots yeah but still just like kind of takes it to the rim or Mm -hmm. close to the rim at will and is so athletic and acrobatic and has great court vision and has guys like and he's really quick and he's got guys like dario saric and jj reddick that can knock down shots from wherever and then every once in a while it's just clear out and give jojo the ball yeah and it's so crazy to watch Mm -hmm. he's like He's he's a he's some guy he's a villain in like a Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. it's crazy. He he's he's got the skills to hit a three pointer, but then he also bullies you downstairs and and then laughs in your face afterwards. Yeah. And then if he doesn't get his like mid range jumper, he like chases after the ball like your, like speedy friend playing seventh grade street basketball and mm-hmm. tries to get the rebound. Yep. Even though he's this giant guy, it's uh, he's scrappy and he loves. He just I think he just loves playing basketball, which yeah. isn't a really it, it's a really admirable thing, and you can see it. Mm-hmm. There were moments where he tried to blo- block LeBron the other day when the Cavs played the Sixers, and LeBron, um, I mean, he missed the block, and then they were laughing afterwards, just like you know yucking at each other. And yeah. It was fun and and you know it stoked you know. Uh, fears and controversy that LeBron might go to Philly. So that's a whole yes, different conversation I, starter. Well, we're going to have a lot of salary cap next year. Yeah. Once Reddick's gone, we're, we're going to have like $40 million. Well, that's and one max contract. And we don't, we, we don't know what to do with it. We don't know what we're going to do. It'll with be it. very interesting. I think we should go after Clay Thompson. Uh, Maybe this isn't a conversation for now. Yeah, yeah. It, let's not go. There's down a lot of NBA hole. to talk about. We said we um, want to keep this short and, and we concise. We wanted to keep this one short and concise. We're gonna too. just ramble about basketball. Although we do love to do that, I'll probably yeah. we'll probably just turn off the podcast and then ramble a little bit more about basketball. Yeah, we'll, we'll finish up the East. We're gonna too, move this we, from your room to the kitchen, talk about basketball. Move from kitchen to living room, talk more about basketball, and then you'll be like, "Huh, a good game's on." And then yeah. you'll turn on basketball. No, I'm, uh, there's a good game on right now. I'm gonna. I'm of gonna course there is. On. Of course. So, but in the in the in the East, um, behind the Sixers by one game is the Heat. Mm-hmm. They're an interesting team right now. They're kind of hot and cold. Uh, and then tied with the Heat is the Bucks, who are up and down, have moments where they look like a team that could beat like the Boston Celtics, like th- that they could just randomly come out of the East. Mm-hmm. And then other times they look like they couldn't beat the New York Knicks. <laughs> so it's kind of and, – and that's pretty much those eight 
uh, in the East are pretty much secured in terms of the playoffs. What's the, the Pistons, nice the yeah. Pistons are five they games fell. behind the Bucks. Yeah, they the Pistons fell. played really well for probably three months. They were they were like the kid in the five k who runs the first eight hundred meters in uh, two ten. <laughs> Uh, Shouts out to all our runner friends out yeah, there. And then just crashes and burns. Yeah, and then yeah. and then basically walks the last mile and a half. Yeah, as they walk home to their ninth or tenth place seed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the East isn't uh, isn't there's not as much at stake in the East except for more like playoff seeding and seeing what can be done in the last you know twenty games of the season or so. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, it seems like that middle, that uh, three through five and potentially six. Yeah, they're very important seeds because I don't think any team wants to play the Raptors nor the Celtics. Uh, so I think it's a little bit of a fun battle to be keeping an eye on. And the Sixers are only two and a half games behind the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. All right, I think we're going to call it there, folks. So uh, thank you for tuning in and listening along with us again this uh, episode. It was a pleasure uh, speaking just for myself, but. Kevin, uh, do you have any final thoughts? I would say find your favorite pooch, uh, get your dog on the couch, borrow your aunt's dog, borrow your friend's dog, or watch it with your friend and your friends. Just find a dog. Find a pup for watching and listening along to Must Love Dogs with us. Okay, I, that, I forgot I what movie we were going with for a yeah, second, and I was so really confused just, uh, by the tangent like, you were going Steal a dog, on. grab a dog, yeah, find then, a dog. And then just sit on your couch and feed it and for hours. Sit on your couch, get a, little, get a little treats in your hand, and just feed it treats. And you're going to teach that dog how to dog. How to dog? Your how to be a dog? dog? Dogs? Well, you must love dogs. Teach a dog how to dog. <laughs> That's true. And we're going to watch Must, must love, love Dogs on our next podcast. Talk All to right. you then. Bye.